2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast,
0: the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
2: Mac, and Boomer.
1: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky.
0: Well, last week was not a total loss. My octopick came through big time, and I'm ready to take the overall lead in the Redcast Pick'Em.
2: All right, Boomer. Just like to remind everybody, Nebraska ball is now 2-0, and so start booking your tickets to San Antonio early, Husker fans. There's no time to waste. <laughs> and
1: Mac.
3: Redcast fans, I am happy to announce that my winning season has continued as I've switched allegiances to prep football, as my nephew has his football team in the championship game coming up this Thursday. Go Hawks. Not Iowa Hawks, but like the St. Rims and Mary Hawks. They're also oh, from Iowa, okay. though, aren't
1: they? Yeah.
3: Incidental. They wear black and gold, Mac? Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, they wear blue and uh, okay. white, oh, like Creighton. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it go. Do they give, like, right, five-year
0: extensions on on their uh, on his contract? If you well, he's in his second too, season.
3: Or? It's interesting you ask okay. this. And here's a funny point about that, or not funny, but maybe serendipitous. Okay, so he's in his second year coaching there. He's a former quarterback at that same program, where he himself won uh-huh. a state championship, right?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Second year, oh. he's got them
3: undefeated, see. and they're going to the championship game. Also, his most recent coaches' clinic inter- uh, interaction was with one Mister Scott Frost, who was doing the coaches' clinic at U and I. So, yeah, I guess it's pretty much yeah, a well, done deal. All adds. How's up, that for obviously. a hot take? We
2: that's serendipitous, all right.
3: Serendipitous. Look it up. I said uh, it right. Oscar
2: fans, book your book your tickets to New Orleans now for the 2019 <laughs> championship game. So,
1: Right. Well, what wasn't serendipitous was uh trip to Minneapolis last Saturday. What the <laughs> hell did we see there, guys? Nice segue I mean, there, Dave. That was a debacle <laughs> was good. of yeah. epic proportions. Uh, I don't even know where to start with this one, guys. Uh, you want to tear apart the offense first or the defense? Hockey?
0: Huh, oh, there's so much to tear apart. I uh, total collapse, but I, I'd like to, you know, try to, I think we could almost have a competition of like, what game does this most remind us of? Because we've seen it's Kansas from, from 2007 and Oklahoma state. And I, I've seen so many different sure media Boomer types trying to, something
1: about Bill Glassford era. I mean, it, it was, <laughs> some people are saying this was the lowest part, uh, lowest, uh, you know, performance in Nebraska football in the last 65 years. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how bad it was. You you just don't lose to Minnesota in that manner for no no reason whatsoever. I mean, it was if a, it was 1932, you
2: might. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: not yeah that we acted like Minnesota was actually a national championship contending team like they were back in the 40s. I mean, it was just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, not a one in five Minnesota team, and I think Boomer, you responded to somebody on on Twitter that day that compared it to to Kansas, and I'm glad you responded because. It was like that Kansas loss, albeit terrible. Boomer, you and I were at that. But that one in 2007, that was against a number two ranked team that ended up winning an Orange Bowl. <laughs> this yeah, was, they were a good team. we dropped
1: 39 team. points on them, right? Correct. We had an offense. Yeah, case. we scored. And, we
2: just, yeah. And,
0: and in this particular game, too, all the, I don't know, we were kind of in the last show going over some of the built-in excuses that people were starting to give for, for Riley. And this game kind of defeated them all. Like, hey, Riley's not in year three. He's in year one. Well, Fleck is actually in year one. Well, we're a young team. Well, Fleck in Minnesota is actually the youngest team right now in the big big Ten playing if I think I, if I read that right. Boomer. I
1: think PJ Fleck myself eligibility for oh. God's sakes, he's so young as a head coach, <laughs> right? I mean right and he showed, showed more enthusiasm and and wherewithal to get his team to play uh, with uh, a, a lot of gusto. And the Nebraska team seems to have given up on Riley to some degree. I mean, which is a real shame, but it, it sure looked like it. It's so funny After how that looks, too.
3: You know, you talk about the optics of something like that. You look on their sideline, and they've got this young spry coach sprinting to the sideline or to, to the opposite end of the field at quarter. And then you show our side, <laughs> and you got this old yeah. man who's defeated and sad looking, and the whole team's just <laughs> standing there. I mean, it's like a perfect picture.
0: After every quarter, I I went out front and I darted and ran down the cul-de-sac and came back. Uh, well, the first three I gave, I mean, it was. I got really tired, so I didn't do any more in the fourth. But yeah, it just kind of that game. I don't know if it's the inevitable. It, yeah. it had well, that's, to happen. That's all you I need
1: to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, head into our offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion. The offensive breakdown. And, uh, you know, the offense started off okay. I mean, we we obviously have a special teams debacle to start the game with the kickoff return. We actually drive the field, 75 yard drive, uh, tie the game up. We get the ball back again, now down 14 7 after giving up another score. Drive all the way down. Looks like we actually have a first. They review that play. We get respotted. I think that was a, a, a pass to JD actually fourth and one and we get completely stuffed and the game is pretty much over at that point. Um guys, uh, is that 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 one play somewhat indicative of the entire season right there of just the failure of the offensive line, running back, play call, I mean, I don't know. Honky take away.
0: Yeah. You know, we have that uh the first play or the first drive we go down and we score that touchdown and I love that that one yard run we have Bo Wilson lined up as a fullback, lead blocking, you know, physical and everything. And we get to that next possession, and as you're saying, Dave, we're in a fourth and one, and we don't have a Bo back there. We we don't try something yeah. with you know Wilson back there. You know, and it's and it just it was just kind of the the, the perfect mix there. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's everything that could have gone wrong. Our running game versus their running game was just night and day difference, and all the things that, that Riley has said from day one here. He said all the right things about needing to run the ball, and that game was just a perfect microcosm of of the last three years. Yeah,
1: You know, it, it's amazing to me that, I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum about you know what Riley says and then what we actually do, but it, it really shows up just in, I mean, and it can't just be all on Trey Bryant getting injured, but the Minnesota running backs, I mean, they wouldn't get – uh you know tripped up they they were able to get out of those those arm tackles and all those little things you know and uh, i think divina Zigbo's an all right back and same thing Wilbon but they can they'll go down with the wind blowing them over it feels like compared to those minnesota backs i mean i don't know how that's just instinct or whatever but it it's frustrating to to see our running game struggle that much on all facets the the line's horrible uh, but I, no one really stands out in that run game, period.
2: Well, Australia, or I believe uh, Minnesota uses Australian rules football tackling on their defense, oh. Dave, so that explains why uh, you know, we're having trouble. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But All right, guys, anything else on the uh, offensive breakdown? You want to well, talk about Spielman? I do. I mean, I
0: want to at least bring up some of the good things there, and Spielman, obviously, that kid, he is just, he. it's not just the talent. It's not just him making plays. He's He's playing hard to to the end here. And and we need more players that that are that are going to be, you know, doing that same thing. Just I I think I saw it say, some of them are the defensive guys I guess I'll hold off till that that segment, but we've got some guys that are still playing hard. Spielman definitely was one. The quarterback situation was unique here cuz obviously it's the first time this year that we've seen real meaningful minutes out of POB. And and it was interesting because Lee didn't have a bad first half. I mean, completion percentage wise and all that. He was doing okay, but but POB, I actually I like what we saw out of him. He came in there with very little prep time, and pretty much about a minute before the start of the second half. They're like, "Hey, you get out there." And, and he did, but but he used his feet on some plays. He made some made some showed some mobility, showed some things off that maybe the next coach might be interested in, to be honest with you. Like what? <laughs> like what, I, like I, what did I, he no, show I, that might
1: Yeah, I would I'd like to hear that.
0: I just said it, his mobility, he used his feet on some plays. He ran, he got, oh. he got seven, eight, nine yards on a couple of runs. So, so the next the coach might time...
1: actually want a a running, running quarterback. I see. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. And you know, I, it's kind of funny. Cause this is a week after that, that Harrison Beck podcast and, um, And I was talking with Mac about it. We kind of enjoyed it because that's a really good podcast. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, he's hilarious. But he talked a lot about how the West Coast offense to him, he felt shackled in it, and he couldn't go out and do the things that he wanted to do, be a gunslinger and all that. And one of the things, just seeing a quarterback go back there and, I don't know, kind of roll out or or get out of the pocket and go and just run for seven or eight yards and and get a first down just using his feet, that's nothing new. We've been doing that for years before this. But, I mean, we've gone about ten games without seeing that. I, I've never been a huge fan of, of, you know, just pure drop back, you know, stuck in the mud kind of kind of QBs. And that's I'm not trying to knock uh, Lee because he'll have. A, I think he can have a successful career being that. I'm just not a personal fan of that. I like a QB that can give you a dual threat. And P.O.B. Sure, I, I think he has that ability.
3: I got you, Mac. Your thoughts? Um, I I like Lee's game actually quite a bit. Uh, this last one, he, you know, he's he's proven to me. And Langsdorf is proving to me that it's not Lee. You know, I think yeah. it's a lot about the, the play calls and the situations that they keep putting this kid into. Lee's got ability, and his, he's gotten better as the season's gone on. He's gotten a lot better in the pocket about moving around and feeling that out. He still holds the ball just a little bit longer, but all that's improving. And you got to remember, he really hasn't played that much football lately. These are, you know, all those all those things aside, and Langsdorff just doesn't help him out at all. And our line is putting him in constant duress. So add that to a fact with, with our running backs who... My biggest problem with the running backs is that they are both capable of hitting the hole hard and making a move in the secondary. I've seen them do it. But I've also seen them hater <laughs> patter in and stumble over minimal contact time after time. So... That, that when you see that, that's so frustrating that you're know, like, what, what, why is this? When you see the Minnesota guys who refuse to go down, they constantly had that fuse lit. Our guys just seem to be very occasional about their effort. And that's so frustrating. And that's kind of been the hallmark of this team. You're like, there's just no defined leaders. There's no one out there giving it 100% all the time, save J.D. Spielman and maybe the young guys who just don't know any better.
1: <laughs> yeah. I hear you. Yeah, it yeah. seems like Spielman kind of... Uh, uh, practices and prepares like a pro which you know kind of might be based off of some of his family ties and that shows up on game day and I don't know if you see that with some of the other Huskers out there right now so
0: yeah I agree with you Mac there by the way with Lee I I don't I don't mean in any way that that I put any any losses or anything on him necessarily I just from a uh, from just a pure style I like that mobility that sure that he doesn't quite bring but that I'm not throwing any games on him. He's he hasn't
1: been the problem. So Boomer, if uh we do have a coaching change, um <clears throat> okay, when we have a coaching change, and if that coach espouses to a a mobile QB, uh does Tanner Lee just enter the draft and say heck with it at this point? Could he actually go and transfer as a fifth year senior at this point? I and mean, what's his options?
2: If I were him, uh, yeah, you know, if he has the option to go pro, and I've heard you keep hearing those rumors that you know he can enter the combines and still grade well, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't at this well. point. I mean, what he what grad- good is a transition? You're going to do him with graduated- a new system again, new line, and then against a really hard schedule next year. Let's be honest, what it is. So, is it going to do him any good to stick around and stay? I I don't think so. To be honest with you, that's just my my gut impression.
3: Yeah, I don't think yeah. there's a chance on this Earl. He he's proven enough. You know, he's put enough on film this year to to warrant his invitation to the combine and he's the kind of guy who will shine at a combine. And that and he's got all these people already behind him, the Mannings, you know, even a guy like, you know, Devaney that seems to seems to have a reputation for knowing talent. Um, you know, I I think it would be ridiculous, like you said, Mike, to either stay and try to learn a new offense that isn't suited for him or transfer and try to learn, you know, some new terminology to put some, you know, risk getting injured. A- a third too. third offense, essentially. You know, right? it's, it just doesn't make any sense. He, you know, I think he's, he's probably gone and that's okay. You know, I hope yeah. he has. Let's, hey, play it out, they're, man. Let's whip the ball they're around they're the heard. field a little bit here.
0: No reason at all to to transfer anywhere. He graduates in December, so, I mean, he'll have his degree in hand. But will he
3: even play again? I mean, like, honestly, this impact concussion, do you think he... uh, Is that his way of stepping out for the rest of the year? Because it's not a bad idea. Well, and... and Let's face it, a lot of people are checked out.
0: Yeah, and it gives POB a chance to play here these last two games and... And Lee will be Lee, – if Lee can get – I agree with what you're hurt? Mac, if Lee can get into yeah. a, a, a combine, he'll he'll do fine there. He'll pass all the tests. He'll look good. He'll look good in a combine yeah. the way he did, like, at a, at a manning camp. He will. He'll look good right. without yeah. pads minimum, on he,
1: doing it. He gets uh, on a, a, you know, a practice squad or whatever and, you know, eventually, potentially, you know – gets his way onto a roster at some point and then you know in the nfl they don't care what you did in college they care what, what they think you can do there so you're right i mean he gets a shot he, he might make it and if he figures out how to you know stop throwing uh some pick sixes you know you never know uh so i mean there's there's uh worse pedigrees of uh than, than tanner lee that are, are starting in the nfl right now i'll, I'll Yep. Right. Absolutely. Agreed. That's the
3: whole thing. I mean, the NFL has proven they'll take guys from anywhere if they look like they can play. Yep. And it's working.
1: Yeah, it's a whole different league, that's for certain. All right, guys, anything else on the offensive side? All right, let's head over to
3: our defensive Hit breakdown. the reset button. That's what I want to say. <laughs>
1: Mac, you want to hit the reset button? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? The self-destruct, the whatever
3: that is. Selfed. We need to go back to formula. That's my final take. Throw
1: the bones.
0: The defensive breakdown.
3: All right guys, on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, I'll just hand it over to Honky. What'd you see out there, Honky? <laughs> Thanks. I mean, seriously, I got nothing, man. I'm sorry. It well, was the worst performance I've seen in my entire Husker fandom practically as a defense. I mean, it's a horrible team. We gave up 54 points, 409 yards rushing. We didn't know how to defend their zone read. I mean, it was an absolute joke.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to copycat something that Jay Foreman said a week ago on, on, uh, Sharp and Benning. And he talked about with defense the three A's assignment, alignment, and aggressive. And if you're not aligned right, if you're not doing the right assignment, it's hard to be aggressive. And it just feels like that when you watch our defense. I know we have talent and it's a good it's kind of one of the reasons we don't have to spend a lot of time on that on this defensive segment right now. We've got some talent. We have some good players. This next staff that comes in is going to have an entire front seven almost entirely coming back. Um, there's good players from the Davis twins to Stoltenberg to Muhammad Berry. There's there's some good players there. They're just not playing real confident right now. They're not playing real fast right now and and alignment, assignment, aggressive, it's not there.
3: Fair enough, Mac. Yeah, they, it's 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 a problem because I do. I think I think you're right, Honk. I think we do have some talent on there on those guys. And I also think they are trying, but they are just not doing a good job at all. And it's frustrating because I don't feel like they're they're quitting so much as they're just frustrated and hamstrung, and they just don't know how to perform. They don't want. I mean, obviously, they don't want to be playing like this. So you know, when the change does come down the line. Gosh, there probably won't be too much feet. I mean, like they've got to be wanting something different. They know this isn't right. They know what they're what they're doing right now isn't isn't getting it done. And and I mean, it's got to be frustrating for them. I mean, it's embarrassing. They're trying to you know represent the end on the helmet, and this is the performance they're 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 putting out there. And I and I won't believe that it's because none of them care. You know, I don't believe that.
1: Yeah, you. I mean, they. They know the writing's on the wall here. They're, they're not completely deaf and, and dumb to all of this stuff, right? And So if you're not a senior, I mean, you think the seniors just would go out with pride. But even if you're not a senior and you don't think you're declaring for the draft or you're planning on transferring, uh, you're, you're putting stuff on tape that a, a new coach is going to be looking at, right? And it's like, you know, I mean, you, to, to Max' point, you don't think they're just going to going to lay an egg just for uh, spite of it, essentially. Um, hey, Boomer? Anything on this?
2: No, it's basically what the other two have said. I just kind of want to echo that they just look like they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, you know, whether it's just a result of the field hockey tackling system we instituted last year or <laughs> whatever it was.
3: <laughs> you know, we we mentioned
2: it last week at the Northwestern game where we just kind of wondered why they never handed off a zone read or the quarterback never t- Thorson yeah. never took it and ran because it was them. open constantly. Apparently, Minnesota watches game film. Our staff doesn't because, boy, they saw it, and it worked about every time they wanted it. And they weren't particularly. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a great running so, quarterback. Uh, he was mobile but wasn't speedy or anything, and he's breaking him for 70 yards, and he gets tired, and that's how we tackle him half the time, it seems. So well, uh, just just indicative me, of the entire year.
1: Let me throw that back to, to Honky and Mac, our X's and O's guys. So on uh, Croft's 73-yard touchdown run, I think it was on a third and one or something like that, right? Uh, Newbie comes and crashes and, and takes the running back. That's his assignment, and so it's Desmuke against Croft. And one juke later, there's no one behind uh, or you know Desmuke and in, in front of yeah. Croft, right? I mean, so it, that's how the Diaco drew that up, and it's pretty much just Desmuke's job to make that tackle, and if not, that's it's the, over. Uh,
3: I mean, really? I guess that's the gist of it because I didn't see. Any- Everybody was doing what the supposedly their job was, and his job was to take. I mean, yeah, you're you're putting a lot of stress on a true freshman, or I'm sorry, redshirt freshman, but still, you know, would but so
1: maybe talk me through how like someone else might defend that. Is there some other way where you might have a little extra extra coverage there? Uh, have a second guy that potentially makes that tackle, or is it always? Uh, typically on that zone read, either a linebacker or a safety. That's just you got to make the tackle on the quarterback, or that's a
0: on, that's a touchdown. I mean, on that specific play, I mean, you're basically yeah. looking on a you're looking at eleven on eleven football. I mean, I think they had four wide receivers, if I remember right, and they were each one on one covered up, so that leaves seven on seven. We had five guys on their offensive line, and we had one guy take the running back, and there's one guy left to take the quarterback. It's a, it was about as simple as that. Now now uh, how would you defend that differently well in some cases you're at some point maybe one of your five beats one of their five and you know on the on the line and gets through and and changes up the play a bit or maybe you you know you can have you can play it differently where you're not going 11 on 11 where you could have that safety going back and being in, you know being in deep coverage and 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 being able to try to defend that that front seven
3: with six guys on defense as an example and and right, still I make the play yeah, I, I mean it, better without to... looking at the yeah i'm sorry matt i was just gonna say without looking at the film and i and I, I know the play you're talking about but not in total detail but i wouldn't be surprised if we went back and looked at it if the linebacker got sucked in right away and was taken out of the play immediately you know kind of forcing it to be dismute coming up fast and, and no, still that's not exactly how it play. happened mac you're right newbie crashed yeah.
1: down and actually made a tackle on the running back who didn't get the ball that was his assignment, and to Honky's point, it was essentially 7-on-7, seven seven. so the seventh guy was the quarterback versus our safety, right? I mean, that's literally okay. what happened. Yeah, yeah so, I mean,
3: i like, no like Honky said, you've got to, somebody's situation. got to make a play within there, too. I mean, it, 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 it does come to a point where there was a guy, you know, in theory, there was a guy in front of a guy to make a tackle. And a player on yeah. a player. You know, so I guess you can live with those odds. And you think a safety versus a quarterback, that's a fair assumption to think your your safety could make that make that tackle. But it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen a lot. And it's, you know, it's – and sometimes – and that's the thing this year. Sometimes it looks systemic, like it's the defense that he's calling. And then sometimes it's the execution by the players themselves. And there's been no harmony throughout – and it's and it's throughout the entire team with the exception, oddly enough, of special teams. You know, yeah. which apparently can run themselves. You know, because Diaco's clearly crazy and can't coach a defense, but maybe he's the best <laughs> punter coach in the nation. I'm telling you, he could probably get work next year doing that alone. But you point. know, it's it's just it's just been that so, that kind of it, uh, Boomer. I think you. Uh, well,
1: hold on, Hockey. What do you want to say? I'm well, I was,
0: was, was going to say not to keep bringing up uh, uh, this coach down in Orlando, but there is a flight tracker going down to him right now. But that's that's beyond the point. But when when, <laughs> when his team played Navy, there was all this chatter about him coming out and playing quarterback in practice and running the option against that defense and preparing them. And I, I guess at the very least, one of the things that we don't hear that comes out of practice Monday through Friday is which which special player on the team that's not named Jebbia or Brian or Lee, which guy is the scout team quarterback when we're playing a mobile QB that's going to run that zone read against us. Where does, where does Dismuke and the rest of the defense during the week get that practice – in real time, real speed against that zone read, so that Dismuke isn't seeing that for the first time in front of him in a live setting. I don't know. I mean, maybe it happens. Yeah. I'm just saying we never hear that. We never hear that story about oh DPE is the guy in practice this week who's playing quarterback or who you, you name it, whoever. We just don't right. hear it. But, so yeah, part of it's preparation, you. and your guess is as good as mine there.
1: Yeah, and if they're not practicing at 100 percent speed, they've they've never seen seen anything. Yeah, I hear you. Boomer, I was just going to mention uh I think you you were handling the the Twitter feed earlier today where uh there was uh, the top 4 best uh assistant hires, assistant coach hires and top you know five five worst or whatever it was. Yeah. And Bob Diaco was on that list, right?
2: Yeah, it was a Pat 40 column, one of his, ah. you know, weekly 40-yard dash columns that he does and Yeah. He wrote down Agreed. the the five best and five worst to uh, coordinator and assistant coach hires this year and uh yeah Diaco was definitely on that list so paying a lot of money to get very very poor results and i you know you no one would be shocked to find him on that list and surprisingly we and had a couple other to... uh, husker alum on that list as well too so uh we're exactly we've got a lot going for us with uh watson and beck both making that list as well so well done all yeah. around guys uh, sean watson just keeps on getting to work
1: but no one knows why and Beck, i don't quite and get and I, it I, yeah. I think tim beck is starting to enter into that territory so yeah yeah well maybe diaco is also going to be there in not the not too distant future all right guys uh defensively you want to point out any anybody who you did like uh how well they played on saturday
3: i will continue to point out ben Steele's play yeah i find that he's yeah. I, I when we talk about somebody putting consistent effort in i mean that kid is trying i can see him trying out there um and I, and I like that. Um, uh, Chris Jones, he just ain't the same guy right now. You know, he can just – he he's a yeah, w- I, big step slower. I don't even – you know, not the same guy. Kalu's not the same guy. We just look a little broken down in the secondary. Um, but, yeah, Hunk, what do you think?
0: I, I like – I still – I like a lot of things about Muhammad Barry. I think he's he's giving some real good effort out there. I also like that he's one of the accountable guys after the game. He's he's getting interviewed by people and and he's stepping up there and and I know that's hard to do, and um, so definitely him and and you know Chris Weber I I I think as a senior he's going out there he's giving it all. I mean he knows this is his last couple games he'll ever play and 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 I think he's he's doing he's doing himself proud there with how he's playing. Weber's
3: a good one. That's a good pick.
1: All right, I hear you. Boomer, anything on special teams you want to
2: point out? On uh, our first real huge breakdown in a long time, that opening kickoff return just kind of set the tone for the entire game. Yeah. Things weren't going to go well. That's two for the year now, right? Yeah, yeah, that was disappointing to see that. So that just kind of put us in a hole, and we know how well Riley teams respond once they're in a hole. so Not how you <laughs> pretty win much their
3: default setting, I'm sure of it. Well, it is. It is.
1: Yeah. All right, guys, uh, let's uh, let's call that a, a throw in the bones, and uh, we'll be back.
0: You're number one, Husker fans. Auto Owners Insurance and OdePaul Insurance is a winning combination. We'll work with you to insure your home, auto, business, and life to keep everything you value safe, sound, and secure. Auto Owners Insurance, the no-problem people. Call OdePaul Insurance in York, Nebraska at 402-362-3380 and tell Alan the Redcast sent you. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses.
1: All right, guys. We'll be uh, talking all things Husker football here with Scarlet Colored Glasses. But first, trivia time. Trivia time. Take it away, Boomer.
2: All right. Uh, Given the distinct possibility that we may have a new coaching staff next year, I wanted to take a look. And just to kind of give everyone a heads up of what we could expect, so Nebraska has had 32 head coaches, depending if you count the first three or not as official head coaches. So I'm asking you, how many of them had a winning record in their first season at UNL?
1: And are you counting the first three or not? Yeah, why not? Let's give them credit. Okay, so 32 total. 14.
0: Well... How many total coaches did you say there were, Boomer?
2: 32, if we're counting our first three unofficial coaches.
0: So I'm, I'm going to just count backwards, <laughs> and I'm going to give up when I – I know mean, it's injured. all 32 coaches, long. obviously. So. No, I, I'm going to count yeah. backwards and then give up where, where where appropriate. We know Riley didn't. We know Callahan didn't. Pelini did. Um, Solich did. Osborne did. Devaney did. That's four. And once you get past that –
3: I don't 14. think
0: uh Yeah, Jennings. So uh, four no. two, is that right? I'd say there's probably about five five or six coaches in that forties and fifties. They didn't. And then you get past there, you get into the Ewald jumbo Stimes and all that stuff. I'm I'm Steam or whatever. I'm gonna say ten. I'm
1: gonna say. I'm gonna say twenty one. Ooh, nice high
3: number there, Dave. I like
1: it. Well, I'm just doing the math. Honky, we went by six coaches, and four did, two didn't. We went down to 32, so if you expound that out, it's somewhere around 20, so.
3: I don't know that it would follow the same trend throughout the years, but it could. Well, you know what? I have f- no
1: other better reason, Matt. You're probably <laughs> – No, I nothing, like I liked how
3: you <laughs> extrapolated your stuff there, but I was like, well, oh, that's uh, uh, you know reasonable.
0: What? Actually, I think – you know what, Dave? I think you're probably right. There, there's – you basically, All right, I've got someone on my side. You basically have about probably four or five coaches in the 40s and 50s that didn't. You have the two coaches recently that didn't. Seven. Uh, oh, you know what? Uh, 24. Yeah.
3: that's a good, th- I'm saying price is right, rules. Yep. So I'm going to go with 24. 21. And
0: I'm not going to name them, but 24.
3: <laughs> Mac, did you have a, Mac, did you have a pick? Uh, yeah, 14, right Okay. I don't know. I never know. That's true.
2: Uh, All good guesses. The correct answer is actually 18. You did quite well. Uh, Price is right
3: rules. Mac
2: wins. Yes, he does. So your thinking was good. Uh, Thank you. You had all the recent ones, and then we had that horrible gap from uh, 42 to... 61, which was the Glenn Presnell through the Bill Jennings era, where none of them had a winning season to start the year. See. And then prior and to firing, that, we only had a, couple, a handful of coaches that uh, did poorly in their first season. Uh, Henry Schulte and William Klein in the World War One years each had uh, sub-500 seasons. And then prior to that, Both our worst coach was uh, Alonzo Edwin Branch in 1899. He was our big disappointment at 1-7-1. Uh, <laughs> And uh, T.U. Lyman and J.S. Williams were part-time coaches back in 1891 and 1892 when they both had 500 seasons. But overall, most of our first-year coaches have done quite well here at uh, here old Nebraska U. So, plenty to look forward to here, Oscar fans. I I wonder wonder how they got that job as a
3: part-time coach at the university. Well,
2: I know, like, for example, our very first coach, Langdon Frothingham, he got the job because he happened to have a football Hm, so he, sometimes he worked you,
3: you didn't have a whole lot of choices he it was also, actually a homemade football it was literally pigskin
0: he <laughs> he also brought with him homestead homesteading style tackling Oh
3: i'm gonna stop that was stupid uh, yeah. that's hilarious
0: i, that's I just awful. stopped right there can we, that can we cut yeah. that
1: no we <sighs> All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's talk all things Husker football uh, before we go into a Penn State preview, which I'm sure is just going to be intriguing. We could take over under on how many yards uh, Saquon Barkley is going to run for on on Saturday in that preview, I guess. But uh, we can just talk a little bit about the state of the program here right now, and uh, obviously we're we're alluding to the uh, expected uh, firing and. And hiring a new coach here in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, guys, wh- what do you think about B- Bill Moose? And, you know, he's sticking to his, his guns and not firing a coach during the season. And it seems like he's going to let Riley ride this out. Uh, the press conference today, you know, Riley sounds like a defeated coach. Uh, I understand Bill Moose's philosophy on this, but. Uh, it almost at this point is it it is almost detrimental. I mean, it, it can't be any bigger of a distraction to fire the guy at this point. Right.
0: Yeah. It's not a, I don't know that it's a distraction or or for this team. I, right now I kind of want to call the dogs off a little bit that are putting all their energy and directing it towards Riley being fired yesterday or tomorrow or two days from now. Yeah.
1: What's the difference? But yeah,
0: right now I think people need to look at this from the bigger picture and We've alluded to this tonight already a couple times. There's a flight tracker out there. Whether it's true or not doesn't matter. I think we all understand and recognize that there is a call out to UCF. I think we all recognize that at the same time that that Florida and Tennessee, shockingly, Frost isn't as high on their list anymore because other guys have, have worked their way up. Even though Frost keeps winning, guess what? I think behind the scenes... I think there's a pretty good shot that there's a guy down there that that's getting a, getting a talking to from Nebraska about coming up here. Okay. So when you look at this from the bigger picture, I try to look at this as is, you know, is, are we in dire times right now? Or is this actually from an optimistic perspective, is this one of the better times that we've had in 15 years to make a change? We've talked about how, how, how sloppy some of the changes have been made. We have fired nine win coaches, we hire strange guys, you know, that, that, that you weren't expecting, you know, after forty day, you know, searches. Right now, what do we have going for us? We have a a a team in place right now where we have a fifteen person recruiting class. Even if it blows up, it's not twenty five, it's fifteen. We have a small senior class. So the most guys that are gonna be coming back next year are gonna be in the junior and senior classes. You're gonna have upperclassmen to work with. You're gonna have you are gonna have um, expectations in place. We're probably going to be four and eight or five and seven. So that coach comes in next year. And even with that tough schedule, goes six and six, seven, five takes you to a bowl game. This is yeah. a good time to be a coach at Nebraska right now coming in with a change.
3: Yeah. And if Frost has shown anything in his career, man, he is, he's got really good timing, you know, and he's pretty calculated with how he moves around. And like you said, Huh. It is set up nicely. I mean, he could slide in as the savior of the program, native-born son, you know, national championship winning coach. I'm <laughs> excuse me, player, soon-to-be coach. Just kidding, you know, whatever. But, no, I mean, it it would be perfect. It'd be idyllic. You know, let's not put the cart before the horse or any of that stuff right now. Um, you know, getting back to finishing this season out. Um, yeah. Show a little heart. So-
1: Let's uh, uh before we, we leave the frost thing, I guess we can we can talk about the the team if we want. But uh, Boomer, I, I think you mentioned uh, before we went on the air at some
2: point, Frost agent is uh, Jimmy Sexton, who is agent to like no his uh, his actual agent is a uh, Trace Armstrong. So I was able to research a little more. So. So is that with the Sexton agency, though? I don't know if he is or not, but it's the same agent oh, okay. that uh, Les Miles has and Butch Jones and I think Urban Meyer, I think, and a few others. So.
1: So, so he does have a lot of other clients. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: It's not just a one-shot agent. Yeah. Okay. Well, pretty big right. name agent. Well, agency. that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So. I, I just, my point was I feel like uh, there's been some, some pretty crazy numbers getting thrown out on how much Scott Frost may get paid if he comes up to, the, to be the Nebraska head coach. A lot more than what you'd expect a group of five coach, even Tom Herman, Texas. Probably, I don't know what his number was. Probably four and a half million, give or take. Um, uh, no, well, four and a half I'll million's be, you know, the but that's norm, just but I mean, it could be an even higher than that. I, I'd be kind of, sh- I would expect it to be four and a half million. To be honest with you. Oh uh, yeah, and maybe around five. Yeah, but I, north of five. Uh, yeah, you're that would be a Precedent on that. I'm a little kind of surprised in those numbers. Well. I I guess I, my point was on that really guys it...
3: you know what though <laughs> that's true. we we've been saving money on coaches only right. on, I mean, only I mean I don't really care about while they're not coaching here you know it's you could argue that if have uh, a gets, English, uh, we to say Herman gets a 5.25 millions.
2: million base yeah. seller, escalating oh, okay. uh, 250,000 annually for 5 years there so. you go that that's yeah. he's doing okay right for himself yeah. for
1: your best group of 5 i i i would expect it to be somewhere on that neck of the woods i I, I, if people are getting uh, heartburn about how much we're going to pay Scott Frost, don't. It doesn't really matter. If he wins, it's worth every penny of it, and that's just how it works these days. Um, yeah, it's just it kind of interesting to me. Uh, I mean, my my point on this entirely was, I mean, let's face it, Scott Frost actually has a lot of leverage uh, to get a, a hefty salary from us because we've clearly made the intentions of the fan base known, and there's other suitors, so it's interesting. You know,
3: yeah. well, you know, he, he, he was, he, there was, you know, rumors or whatever that he was a little miffed that he wasn't seriously considered last time around, but in the long run, he goes out and he shows yeah. that he can be a head coach. And now we really want him because of what he represents beyond that. You know, he's, and he couldn't, he could demand a salary now with just two years of work down there that mm-hmm. he wouldn't yeah. gotten five years here, you know, cause he'd have been a first time head coach and, you know, so, I mean, mm-hmm. Once again,
2: yeah. Frost
3: comes smelling really? like roses. Uh, it's know? a good he's sign, then, right? A, I mean, he's a smart he's, guy. He's a smart I, guy.
1: I, I'm fine this with goes, it.
0: This goes back to the opposite part it. of this. In, in the last 15 years, in some of these these job searches that we've done, we've ended up hiring a pro coach after a 40 day delay, where we have embarrassments with with Houston Nuts playing coming back, you know, with no one on yep. it, and 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 when we hire Riley, everyone's looking at each other, going, "What?" And and now, even though Pelini, when he was hired, it was genuinely pretty popular across the state at the time but now people look back on it with some different glasses and they they don't they don't look at it quite as, as as such a good hire anymore. Point is, right now, you can't really argue that if we would get Frost, we would be getting him over supposedly other schools like Florida and Tennessee and potentially even A&M who would be wanting him too. We'd be getting a very highly sought after national coach. So I think that's I think that should make people feel good regardless of what we pay him. We're getting him, right? Now, yep. what makes what I'd like to kind of look at for a second is, if you were selling Coach Frost on why he would want to come here, Like, what are you going to be dealing with in year one? You were dealing with uh, an offense and defensive line where you literally do not lose a starter. And I'm not counting Conrad as a starter right now because basically Decker got hurt. We have an, an entire offensive line coming back of Decker and Farmer and, and uh, Foster and Gates and, and Hymas and key backups like Farniak and Farniak. what you choose to do with them. And if, if they all stay or, or if you move guys around or if somebody else gets a chance and it knocks somebody else out, you know, competition, I don't care. My point is they always say you want to build in the trenches. Well, you have everybody back. On the defensive line, you've got the, you've got the Davis twins. You have Stoltenberg back. You have Freedom still back. You have Alex Davis that maybe you might, might want to get him back to putting his hand on the ground. Point is you have a lot of guys coming back. And it's all in the trenches. And that's not a bad thing for a first-year coach to walk into where you didn't lose everybody.
3: And, and he's got wide receivers that would fit his system too if it was, if this was, say, a Scott Frost type coach. Yeah. It's really the QB you know,
1: position that uh, has somewhat of a portion you know, Mark QB Conkey position. actually
3: made a point that P.O.B. might fit uh, well enough. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be super mobile. I mean, McKenzie, enough, the, the guy they have now, he's mobile, and he's more yeah, mobile than any of the guys we have. Straight line speed. Yeah, but he's a, but he's not a phenomenal runner, you know. He but but that offense has proven, you know. If they can get six seven yards, it can still be a very effective running game. It can be a very effective threat, and they can still move the football. So I mean, that's yeah. really all that we have to duplicate. And I think we might have guys that could do that. And honk, you were talking about a, a dude from. Uh, uh, there's an Iowa the Juco Western JUCO right Western. now that
0: that yeah. you could kill two birds with yeah. one stone. We can get back into the JUCO market. We can we can get into the Iowa Western JUCO market fifty miles away from now or away from here, and and just get another guy that competes. The point is, there's players you can do. You don't have to just sit there and wait two or three years to get a guy. You know, the JUCO market can can help you with specific spots like that. But you mentioned it, Mac, the wide receiver position. Hey, Coach oh, Ross, yeah. you're, you're walking into Stanley Morgan coming back, and you've got to do a little bit of recruiting. Not that this should be a hard recruit, but, but you need to do a little recruiting with a guy like Spielman, guys like Tyjon Lindsey. You don't want to lose some of those younger guys. But you've got some talent to work with there. You have a boatload of tight ends. You've got all four running backs coming back. And on the defensive side, the linebackers, you've got Mo Berry and, and guys like Avery Roberts that have been redshirting. or Actually, he hasn't even redshirted, but he's barely played. Guy Thomas has been redshirting. There's players. This is not – you're not walking – this is where I'm trying to get back to the optimism piece
3: of this. Yeah, you're not we walking give into Yeah, some credit where spot. credit's due. Riley, Riley's leaving this job, regardless of our record – in prestige or whatever, he's leaving this job, I feel like, in a much healthier state. Than what Polini left it for him. Just so from roster We're, management, it, for and, sure. And even yeah, absolutely, that's all been meticulously handled. I mean, that is one thing you can give this staff—they are meticulous and detail-oriented, and they—they they brought a recruiting up to a, the state of the art. You know, our, our social media game is strong under this staff. So Frost will walk right into that, and that might be something too. A young coach like that who doesn't have that kind of experience or staff built up will really appreciate that. But you know so, that's, that's neither here nor there. But I'm just saying, what, <clears throat> like Riley says, it's just the games we can't figure out. But that other stuff, <laughs> he's dynamite, it, man. He should just be a consultant and Mac. Mac, for that's that's,
0: that's important. There is that we are in better position, personnel wise, than we were three years ago. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that. And that's still not, that's still not a point to say. Well. Then if we if we were turn around we go nine and three next year then we shouldn't have made a change because we're doing it with Riley's people. No, it's not gonna. We're not going nine and three next year with a guy like Riley coming back. As much as nice guy and, and class act and everything, this team, this talent, these players need that change. And when they get that change, when they get that new staff in here, you can start to see turnarounds the way that two years ago Al Golden getting fired from from miami and you bring in the right guy and two years later you've got change washington state for 11 years up until 2014 was completely irrelevant and they bring in mike leach and in a few in the last couple of years they've been a ranked program it happens all over the country from from west coast to east coast north yeah, to yeah washington
3: South. themselves
0: washington themselves you get the the right guy walks into a good situation and that's that's the thing, Mac. you've been talking about with, with Frost, where Frost has been very meticulous Where he's been, where he's gone. He hasn't made crazy jumps. This isn't a crazy jump. People that are focused right now on firing Riley today or tomorrow or Wednesday, you're thinking in the here and now of the next 10 days. Get beyond that. When you look past the next 10 days and the season is over, and and the next coach comes in here and gets his staff together and finishes up a small recruiting class and does all those little things, you can start to look at this and go, There's a lot of pieces there right away. And if you can make a team competitive, something that, that our, our president and our chancellor have talked about, just being competitive, working hard, competitive, playing every down, you know, hard. We've got some good players and good talent. This is a good situation to walk into. And and I think that gets lost sometimes. When we go and watch us play Minnesota the way we did, yeah, that's if you watch Minnesota and that was that you have tunnel vision. That's all you see. It looks like a horrible situation. Oh my god! Don't don't come here. <laughs> well, that's you, you got to remove yourself so, from that moment.
1: I, I I hear what you're saying there, Hawk. I understand. Uh, did, I mean Riley did inherit some talent though? It feels like I mean we had guys that are now in the NFL, like Malik Collins and Vincent Valentine that that he had on that D line that was I mean hindsight pretty darn good. Uh, or do you sell them that you feel like the Davis Twins or Mix are gonna be in the NFL just like those guys?
0: Well, it I if think you they have potential to if you get the right coaching. It, it, this is one thing here. And Domak Sue. Everyone watch. Go go back and in, in YouTube two thousand seven Nebraska, uh, Colorado, where we lose sixty to fifty something, and and everyone will sit there and say Pelini inherited all this talent. He inherited a defense and, and players that were not NFL ready. And Dominican Sue wasn't just going to be a first round draft pick. The route that he was going by the end of two thousand seven, he got he got developed. He got physically developed. He lost weight. Uh, I think Dillard uh, was like a two hundred seventy pound combo linebacker middle guard that Cosgrove turned him into he was see, a big you know, boy yeah give, give plenty credit where, where credit is due it in places that he developed guys and and those guys benefited from that coaching I think the Davis twins are incredible talents they're going to benefit from some new coaching um and and I mean coaching yeah, at let's... the at the coordinator level because by the way I think Perella is one heck of a D-line coach and I would love to see him uh brd line well coach, let's so.
1: let's talk about that just a little bit um i think one of the criticisms that riley ended up uh getting early on in his tenure was he ended up bringing up bringing in a lot of his oregon state staff right mark banker on um, down the line which was surprising to many right we waited for like a month to to hear about the o coordinator and it was just Danny Langsdorf, right it's like sure right i mean uh riley could have you know, opened up the pocketbook and hired uh, some big-name coordinators right off the bat. But he didn't. He had loyalty to his staff. A little different situation here if we hire Scott Frost. He has some guys that he's, he's had with him along with uh, on his journey, right, to Oregon and out of Central Florida. I mean, starting back, I mean, his defensive coordinator was with him at, at Northern Iowa, right, Uh all indications is he's bringing some of those guys with him. And a couple of them are got Husker ties, right? Greg Austin's the O-line coach, Barrett Rood's on his staff, yep. uh, held. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but do you do you expect him to bring over, over his entire staff pretty much from Central Florida if, if this hire happens? Or do you see a couple of other uh, hires outside of his existing network that um, bring more experience to the, the staff?
3: Well, two, two things on that, Dave. First, I think that was one of the major bumbles of Riley's career when getting started here was his yeah. initial staff. I mean, clearly, not, almost none of them are here from that start. So that, in in his whole transition game, you know, Honky, you, you and I have talked about this so many times. That maybe they should have just pulled the plug on Tommy right away and and gone that route. And at the same time they're they're dealing with this sort of toxic environment with the team and so they don't want to maybe make too many changes because Tommy was so well liked. You know, it was just it was just it was exactly the kind of mess you don't want to walk into as a coach. And and it and the results were what we have right now. Um frost coming in, I think yeah he'll probably keep a lot of the staff I think it's it's probably likely that he'll hire some new new people as well. You know, I think he's going to, I think he's going to take the process really seriously and, and interview people for the jobs that he thinks he'll do the best job. I think he is, he is serious about winning, you know? And and I think it, he'll take loyalty to a point if he thinks the guy's good enough, but uh, you know, Frost is, uh, he's pretty focused on it. I'd like to have him. Honk,
1: <laughs> thoughts on that at all?
0: No, I mean, I, I agree with everything Max said there. I, Again, I just I think this is a good situation for a coach to walk into right now. You finally have expectations for an incoming coach at at, a, at the proper spot instead of replacing a nine one coach, which has happened two of the last three times. Now you are going to be replacing a four and eight or five and seven coach, and you're going to come in with everyone saying it's a hard first season. So if you can go six and six or seven and five and make it a bowl game, that's going to be genuinely speaking, that's going to be looked upon as a positive. Those are good things. I think Riley. Let's give credit to where credits due to from a culture perspective. Riley's going to go out as a class act, and I think Riley and, and, and Athletic Director Moose are going to handle the next week and a half with class, with dignity. Another reason why I'm glad we're not just firing him, just to fire him, just to just to, to quench the blood of some you know some angry fans out there. That's that's Riley. Riley has not. He will go down. I think as a, as a special coach here for three years where he has helped transition us probably out of some of the spots we were in three years ago he's left it in a better position than he took over but he can't take it from this spot to the next level that's the difference he's leaving it at a time where somebody else can come in and take. Yeah,
3: maybe it. he just fell on the sword of Bo Pelini's legacy for the next guy
1: maybe I <laughs> maybe that was when we guy. ever do a uh an outtake show I'm gonna Gotta make sure I cut that clip where Honky says uh, Mike Riley was a special coach here for three years. Cut. <laughs> yeah, there. Just run that on loop the whole time. Honky really liked Mike Riley. He really was a big fan of him. That's that's very.
0: You know, hey, we 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 no longer have a sideline camera that's following our coach around. You know, waiting for him to have his next blow up. I guess let's let's put that as a that's right. That's a three-year improvement from three years ago. So. Um, I, well, and he
3: also shown that Nebraska can get in on kids all around the nation too, as far as recruiting and kind of taking the taking that excuse and left it behind. You know, I don't know how aggressive yeah. this staff will be getting to the coast or anything like that. I, and I don't care. You know, get the players you you feel like you need to get. But uh, it's it's a myth that you know Nebraska can't recruit the way they used to be able to. That's that's not true. And and we and they and this staff was doing that with no visible results on the field. So imagine if we could have yeah. won a little bit that, you know, if we've learned, if we've learned
0: something sure. too, just from the last couple days, there's the article Barfnik came out with last night about I and, and how he would, you know, tell all the coaches across the, the campus to go check out Diaco and practice because he's the best coach on campus. I'm not sure what coach cook was that's doing that ridiculous. day, but there's, yeah, apparently Diaco is the best coach on campus, but there was a dysfunction even in the last three years, there was a dysfunction between, athletic director down to coach and everything. And that's been going on for a number of years throughout different administrations. I, I'm i well, I've said this a number of times. I really respect what Moose is doing. I really respect what, what Hank Bounds and Chancellor Green are doing. I think our leadership at the top is, is as good as it's been. I think we're going to have very solid connection between that leadership and whoever the next head coach is. And, you know, we've been talking about Frost, so let's just say that. I just really think that it's going to be the best combination connection between them because when there's not a good, when there's not a good connection there, when there's not good communication between that top and the coach, it ends up showing up poorly on the field. And we've seen that now just in the last few years too. decisions get made by people that, that they shouldn't be made by all that, all that stuff, just that excess stuff that has nothing to do with X's and O's just ends up getting played in there. That doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be that way going next year. We have new leadership and, uh, I'm ready to see it.
1: Sweep left. All right, guys. So let's uh, sweep left. Uh, this is our college football review uh, across the, the country, spanning the country, if you will. Uh, and it was a crazy weekend. Uh, Nebraska got their game out of the way, so you could actually just kind of flush that to the side and, and watch some some pretty interesting action the rest of the week, weekend weekend. Uh, Georgia goes down in flames uh, at Auburn. Uh, Notre Dame also goes down in flames. Guys, uh, what did you see out
2: there this weekend that intrigued you the most?
1: Those two, Boomer. Start with you, man.
2: Well, you know, a couple things that just the terrible performance that Georgia had. I mean, I guess we're used to Mark Richt screwing up a game or two a year when they look like they're about to break through and take that next step and. They never did, you know. I guess we would have called it Clemsoning years ago, but maybe it should be maybe Georgia Maybe it wasn't Rick; it was yeah. Georgia. It might well be. I mean, I, I <laughs> they looked so much better than that the rest of the year, and then just to come out and just totally lay an egg against Auburn like that was just kind of incredible. And Miami, I've, I've been doubting them a lot of the year. I, I had not been impressed with a lot of their wins, but jeez, did they dominate that game? I mean, that wasn't even close against what everyone I think thought. From the was opening a good gun; they were the yeah. better
1: team right
2: away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were, That game wasn't ever really in question either. It was just kind of – those were two distinct uh, distinct beatdowns we saw from some pretty highly ranked only teams. only thing that
1: didn't come through, at one point, Georgia was losing, Notre Dame was getting blown out, and Alabama was down. Um uh, oh, Leave it to the Crimson Tide to make their fourth quarter comeback. Hockey, what did you see in that game? Oh, in the Bama one? Yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of Bama this year, but um, – I guess you can come. You can kind of come into question a little bit of like just how dominant they are. They're a good team. I mean, they're they're a darn good team. Don't get me wrong. But watching that game, seeing the rest of the schedule that they played up to this point, and, and giving a lot of credit to a Florida State win that you know doesn't look quite the same as it did. I, there's a there's the skeptics are definitely out there on Alabama if if they're going to be uh, if this is just going to be the cakewalk that that we may have thought was going to be the case a week or two ago. Um, Going into last week, Dave, I think the first two teams you brought up, Georgia and Notre Dame, that was a marquee game on the entire schedule, the entire college football season, up until basically just a couple days ago. That Georgia-Notre Dame game, that looked like two of the top teams that are both guaranteed to be in the playoffs and so on, and all of a sudden they just both get demolished the way they did last week. That really shakes up a lot of things. Wisconsin goes out and just – takes it to iowa I, I don't know if you guys really watched the game or saw some of the stats iowa had something like 65 total yards against wisconsin they scored 14
2: 66 yeah, total yards. Four, yeah they, they went zero for 13 on third down conversions they
0: scored 14 points they're both on pick sixes i mean this is wisconsin yep. took it to iowa the week after iowa took it to ohio state ohio state took it to michigan state
1: i that weekend it was a good weekend for wisconsin oh my
0: gosh it just shook things up Washington, you know, goes and gets gets handed by by Stanford, and you just you get through all this, the whole mess of it all, and wh- who wh- who looks good right now? Which conference is out? Which conference is in? The Big Ten looks like you know if it's Wisconsin clearly in, but if they lose, are we totally out? Who knows? Is the is the Pac twelve? Yeah, it, now? it
1: it could be a two thousand and seven all over again, depending on how this shakes out the last couple of weeks. But Pac twelve looks like they're in a tough spot. Big 10s, depending on Wisconsin right now. I think Oklahoma looks pretty good in the Big 12 mm-hmm. if they can keep this up. And then you have really the uh, – potentially the SEC championship game and the – even with how bad Georgia looked, if they beat Alabama, they might get it back in. And then the ACC championship game where Clemson and Miami's already clinched uh, could be de facto uh, elimination games in the playoff. Yeah. Notre Dame's gone. They They don't have anything, so – interesting
3: all right mac anything on this no i will say though i was i was excited or not excited but i would say i really enjoyed the uh notre dame miami game miami really impressed me their speed on defense man they looked like the good old times back in miami flying around smacking people they just totally outran notre dame i mean and then they were strong at the the point of attack on defense too they were they were sharp, and they were just playing with the kind of swagger and confidence that you see from the good, you know, U teams. So cool. It was cool. Yeah. Keep in mind, that's uh, a lot of the same players that uh, we played
1: just a few years ago, and actually beat yep. uh, in Lincoln, right?
3: Right. But there's an example of a Honky. guy who, you know, R- Rick comes back and knows their culture, and kind of sparks that back, and you start yep. seeing mm-hmm. it in the players again. That that's that looks more like a Miami team than it has in Second years. Second year. Did yep. yeah. Honky? Did
0: you guys see? Uh, somebody posted the the top five from the 1995 season and who those top yeah, five were and in Florida and Florida State obviously they're not you know they're not you know vying for any playoffs right now but they're each three and six obviously you have Nebraska they, that was one of the top five that year Tennessee just fired Butch Jones and then Colorado is back to five and five after having a good season last year just just kind of a it's just the state of college football right now just Teams have changed, but it, it the Florida and Florida State that is nuts to me. They are, they are six and twelve this season, and Miami, the one that had struggled, yeah,
1: especially Florida State. I mean, it oh makes yeah, no sense and
0: Miami, whatever. who just in the last few years they've been the one that hasn't performed out of that state. Boom, here they are. They're yep. They're look. They're looking sharp.
1: Yeah, outside of Florida and Florida State, the state of college football in Florida looks really good. I mean, Lane Kiffin's got Florida Atlantic going. You got. Uh, Butch Davis got Florida International. They're playing this week, actually. Yep. Obviously, Scott Frost, Rick. I mean, it, it's that's pretty intriguing stuff, yep. uh, no doubt. The pod predictions. Uh, all right, guys, let's uh, head into games of the week. Uh, Boomer, how did we uh, fare last
2: week? I think you're going to remember this one for some reason. I do. Yeah, it was a it was a mixed bag for some of us. Uh, McGuire, he went five and five. Uh, Dave, he went uh, seven and three on that. And uh, Boomer and Honky both both went eight and two, and depending what credence you want to give on the Octo pick of the week, so Honky uh, <laughs> did get that. However, he did pick Nebraska to win the game, so I think that kind of cancels each other out. So we're kind of breaking even again there. So
1: if anybody takes Nebraska this week, I, I might give them eight points just by myself.
3: But I think we should also point out that on the Yahoo pick, out of all of us, I'm actually leading when you include <laughs> all the games. I know. Um, I know the small right. sample size makes you guys look pretty good, but. Let's be realistic. <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie to you. I right, haven't I haven't right. played Mac that Yahoo pick and
0: thing in like 10 weeks now or 8 weeks. I don't know. Yeah, that's not true, but whatever. <laughs> but if it's anything like my <laughs> other picks, what does it matter? Whatever,
3: hockey. You, you actually put picks in last week. so I did? I don't <laughs> think so, but that's okay. Somebody did. Oh, man. All, all right, minutes. let's, let's uh,
1: do games of the week here. This is the top 10. Let's uh, start uh, in the Big hey, Ten. Hey, Dave. Dave,
0: with- sorry, are we doing our playoff picks
1: though? Oh right, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Take us, uh, take us way. Okay,
0: I'll do um, uh, Bama, uh, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, and Clemson. No, I'm sorry, Miami, not not Clemson, Miami.
2: Okay, boomer. I'm gonna mirror Honky right now. It'll be Alabama, Miami, uh, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma.
3: Mac. It's not original, but those are exactly what I was going to pick. So, uh, yeah.
1: All right, I'll do the same. I mean, I think it's four logical teams right there in my my sense. So we're gonna create a team bunch. All right. All right, great. We got that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> Off to games of the week now. Okay, we're heading to Big Ten land. We got uh, let's see, the Michigan Wolverines heading to Mad Town to take on the Badgers of Wisconsin. Do these guys play for uh, Paul Bunyan's trophy or something like that? Who is that right? Yeah, this
3: is yeah.
1: It's Paul Bunyan's trophy, I think. Yeah, this is the not the axe, the trophy. Yeah, it's the trophy.
2: Boomer, who do you got? Oh, gosh. Let's just go Wisconsin. Let's have a little big West solidarity. All right. Mac.
3: Whiskey. Honky. I
0: never pay attention to uh, the list of games, so I just pick my lock of the week right away. Wisconsin, lock of the week.
1: Wow. All right. I will also take Whiskey. They are favored by 7.5 right now. That's a 10 a.m. game early on the dock. Um, All right. Let's uh, take... UCF uh, heading up to uh, frigid Philadelphia to take on the Temple Owls. Um, honky? It is, uh, it's It's going to be
0: cold. It's 40, 45 degrees there. Just awful conditions for football.
1: Oh, it's just. It's going to be but horrible. I, I think,
0: I think uh, UCF can uh, pull it off. I'm going with UCF.
1: All right, Mac.
3: I would like to see a little bit more focus on the run game from UCF into this week, you know, be a little more physical, but we'll see. I'll pick UCF. It says on ESPNU, also a 10 a.m.
2: game, so Boomer? Uh, Central Florida. They can be my lock of the week if no one else is
3: going to take it. I knew it. you were going to pick it. Well, him. you had a chance. That's
2: right.
1: I've taken UCF before as a lock. Mike uh, Boomer deserves a chance to do it. All right. Sounds good. I'll take UCF as well. And Dave, uh, Dave, when you say
0: 10 a.m., you're talking yo- Central or Mountain time, right?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, that's Mountain. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't want to mean...
0: confuse our Central listeners. So.
1: Oh, oh, right. <laughs> wow. Sorry. I'll stop. Wow. Stop re- referencing the uh, the time. Don't forget and, our listeners in Guam. And, and, uh, yeah. So yeah. people are going to be suddenly yeah. start start like turning in early to watch a game because of Dave on the RedCast. Told him it was at 10 a 10. I don't a. mean. We I don't a New Zealand listener. Yeah.
0: I don't mean to time time zone shame you or anything, but just you know just want to make sure that...
1: Right. All right. Uh, well, I don't know when this game is being played or where, but K-State is taking on Oklahoma State. Uh, you can figure out uh, where it's at. Uh, Max, you want to start with this one?
3: I'm going to take Oklahoma State on this one, Dave. Lock of the week. Yeah.
2: Lock of the week. All right. Boomer? Cowboys.
1: Hawk. I'm going K-State
0: nice
1: I will go Oki State I think uh, it's a pretty easy one (laughs) alright rivalry game out there in Los Angeles you have the University of California at Los Angeles visiting the University of Southern California Honky
0: Uh, I'm gonna go like USC by like 40
1: feeling good about that one alright Boomer USC, Mac, USC. I also take USC. Obviously, comparative of, uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know. Let, let's not say they're uh, difficult choices on this list, but we did the best we could. Uh, let's throw a, an oddball out here. Um, this is the uh, the Shula Bowl. Why it's called the Shula Bowl, I'm not quite for certain, but it's Florida International versus Florida Atlantic. Boomer. Florida
2: Atlantic. Lane Kiffin's got things going.
1: Mac.
3: I'll go Florida Atlantic. Honky. I have
0: no idea,
1: so I'm just going to go Florida Atlantic. Both, uh, both are both eligible already.
3: Both are yeah, uh, doing go, quite well.
0: I'll go Florida Only Atlantic. Only one
1: of these two coaches are born in Nebraska, though, so maybe that should be an influence on me. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going it's Florida Atlantic. Atlantic.
1: Yeah. All right, I'll take Florida Atlantic. How about, all right, uh, potential competition for Scott Frost here. Florida is hosting UAB. UAB is a nice uh, little story here, you know. I have a good buddy of mine who is a huge college football fan, and he's from Birmingham. UAB uh, was wiped off the face of the earth uh, by some uh, Alabama boosters who didn't like the in-state competition. Uh, came back only after a couple of years. First year back, they're already bowl eligible. Uh, UAB in the swamp. Who do you got, Honk? Going UAB. Wow, wouldn't that be something? Mm-hmm. Mac.
3: I'm gonna take Florida.
1: Florida's favored by 11.
3: I'm gonna take Trust Florida it. twice.
2: Bo- <laughs> <laughs> Boomer. SEC refs keep this in Florida's hands. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to be smart here and take Florida. I want to <laughs> take UAB for sentimental value, but I'll let Honky I want to those. be that's smart. That. I want to be smart. <laughs> not, <like> not stupid, <laughs> Not the
0: first time Davis.
1: I, I don't want to be dumb like honky. Fr- Hey, <laughs> who
0: won the Octo pick, damn it? So <laughs> When you have a stupid pick, it's like picking a Honky. <laughs>
3: that's sad, Sorry, buddy. You guys are
1: mean. <laughs>
3: uh, Looks All like right, I well let's uh,
1: let's let's keep it in SEC land with fired coaches. Uh, we've got LSU uh, heading into Knoxville to take on ro- uh, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Uh, Honky, who do you want on this
0: uh, one? I, well, I'm gonna go with LSU because that's the smart pick.
3: <laughs> you should use the smart voice then. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna go with LSU. That's not the smart oh, voice. I don't know what voice that is. That's the that's Mac? the get in my van voice. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go LSU.
2: All right, Boober. <laughs> well, I believe in this matchup of two quality SEC teams. I will take <laughs> the Louisiana State Tigers. Oh, All right, I'm taking LSU, and that's the lock of my the lock of the week for me. That's that's an easy one.
1: No faith in Brady, Hokes exactly. there there is interim Dave. No, no yeah. it, it, I didn't even know he was on staff. Did they just? I didn't either, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, hey, let's think about that for a second. So Brady Hoke gets fired at Michigan. I think he takes a year off. He goes to Oregon, gets fired at Oregon, and now he goes to Tennessee, gets fired at Tennessee. He goes from head coach to defensive coordinator to like probably like defensive line coach. I mean, he's going to be like special assistant to someone who gets fired next year. The guy's poison, obviously.
2: (laughs) And he's and he's coaching against Ed Orgeron, who's also the master of that. So it's brilliant. Yeah, good point. I
3: mean, they put Lane Kiffin on that staff, and they're set. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, he he coached at Tennessee, so. Oh, you know, yeah, there we go. That makes oh, all kinds of sense. connections are all over.
1: All right, well, the next game's for you, hockey Okay, uh, it's Wyoming? The Bulldogs of Fresno State yes. versus Wyoming. In Laramie, you know how high that place
0: is. 7,000-some <laughs> feet, I'll tell you. Can I go first?
1: <laughs> yes, please, Oh, on. I
0: am taking the Wyoming Cowboys, and uh, this is my second lock of the week
1: second lock of the week. Thank goodness. Fresno is actually favored by a point. Both? Both are
2: 7-3. So, Boomer? Boomer? Uh, I actually do like the altitude and cold working in their benefit. I'm taking Wyoming as well. It's always pretty to watch a Wyoming game
1: on football, you know, on TV, and have a little snow and whatnot. Outside of their uniform
3: choices, yeah, those are I'm going to go with the Cowboys.
1: All right, boy. Fresno's played pretty dang well, but gotta take the home team here. I'll take Wyoming as well. Um, all right, and another one just for hockey. Uh, Purdue heading to Iowa City, to take on the Hawkeyes. <laughs> hockey, please indulge us. You know,
0: I, I think Purdue's no. God, I can't even do it. I'll go with Iowa. You know,
1: yeah, Iowa. <laughs> Not, not a lock of the week, though? Oh, Come uh, on. my
0: third lock of the week uh, is Iowa. <laughs> Very specifically. Dan, our graphic designer who, who designs our our, our Pick'Em graphics, please put three lock of the weeks for me, uh, Wisconsin, Wyoming,
3: and Iowa. <laughs> As those are meaningless anyway. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We've never really <laughs> assigned a value to getting the lock of the week right so, yeah, or There's wrong. no double points involved. We don't even keep track of them. Yeah. It's nothing. like a whose line is
0: it anyway? Right, points mean nothing.
2: So,
3: but anyways. You're awarded a rubber chicken and <laughs> some soup. There. Mac, who do you, who um, are you taking? Mac? I'm taking Iowa, obviously. <laughs> Boomer.
2: This is at Iowa, right? At Iowa. Yeah.
3: yeah, I'll take the Hawkeyes. They're
2: tough at home.
1: I'll also take Iowa at home. All right, toughest game of the week to pick. Obviously, it's only a twenty-six point spread. Huskers heading to Happy Valley take on Penn State. Uh, let's go with Honky first since you're on a roll. Oh, really? Oh.
0: So, I mean, it's pretty easy. Who's not gonna win? Um, we'll we'll say Penn State. The score. I'm just trying not. To, I don't. I don't want to. Pr-
1: let's have fun with this. So. Let's have everybody take take the you know whoever thinks is going to win but let's let's do the spread on this one as well. So do you think we can cover the 26 points?
0: Instead of like picking a score just say like yes or no that we cover or don't cover. Okay, yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. Okay, we don't cover. Yeah, Penn State right, and we so don't cover. Score...
3: All right. Mac, we're going to get smoked. So Penn State by it could be 50. I'd take it.
2: All right, boomer. Yeah, there's no way in hell we cover this. Looking at the stats, about our only advantage is, <laughs> is if this becomes a field goal game. We got a better field goal kicker. So unless this ends up being like twelve to
3: six, yeah, we. I don't know doomed. how they don't. Score we don't 60. cover. I mean, unless they pull guys yeah. and their backups oh, are and, terrible.
0: Dude, they're gonna try. I mean, and Franklin's not calling dogs off. He's going to yeah. have Barkley. No. He he wants Barkley in New I mean, York. He
3: aces field goal kickers when they're up like 50 to nothing yeah. or whatever. He wants it
0: is, Barkley so is... in New York for Heisman. I mean, yeah. this is. You know, we're the
3: team to do it to. Who hasn't had a season game against. Everybody has against us.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess from a it, trying to break down the game, the, honestly. How are we going to tackle the, him? Key, the key to the game for us is like somehow in the first like 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes. Do you not give up a, a, a kickoff right away? Do we not – can we somehow manage to keep it manageable in the first half? Can it be 14-7 to 7 at half? I mean, that's the best thing that we can try to hope for is to just elongate the game, kind of, you know, so to speak. I would run
2: top sweeps and to side all every day off. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: If we play with a running clock, I like our odds. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean – No, I don't actually.
0: I, I just still think they cover.
3: I can't. I, I, I can't fathom a way that we keep this close. The he's, way we've been he's talking. so explosive, and if anything, our defense does is create space for running backs. I mean, when he bounces out, man, we are yeah. doomed. Lamar Jackson's never going to touch him ever, ever.
1: The, yeah, that's a, the the image in my mind is Desmuke whiffing on yeah. uh, Croft for Minnesota. Get ready. Think of Saquon Barkley matched up against anybody in <laughs> our secondary. They're just going to be
3: standing there watching Get him run ready. past him. He, it's going to be it's, it'll, that'll be his highlight reel of stuff they show oh. if he goes to New York. That's so yeah. sad. Could be ugly.
1: All right guys, uh anything else before we uh do our uh, parting shots? That's all I got nope all right let's do the parting shots hockey uh, takes out yeah of
0: here. hey uh, after this uh, you know hour of bliss that we just went through uh, we have been doing 30 thankful things in November on on uh, Twitter and and social media on Facebook so uh, send us your your thankful thoughts here we still got about half a month of this and uh, it's it's the month of Thanksgiving and we kind of knew it was gonna be a rough probably three or four games here in this month so it's a good time just to talk about things that you're thankful about. And I guess as as a follow-up to that, I'm pretty thankful that uh, Husker basketball has started to get us stopped stop talking about football for a few minutes. And tonight they did win 86-67 against uh, uh, North Texas, and we had five guys in double digits and Copeland with eight rebounds. And, and so we played 14 guys, got off to a some ridiculous 25-2 start, something like that. So good start to Nebraska ball here. We're 2-0. We're going to need as many wins as we can get because – there's an early December schedule that looks pretty
3: rough. Wouldn't it be cool if we were good this year? That'd be fantastic. I would actually come wonderful. on the podcast.
1: be good this year and still, still have a bad record. The schedule's taunting, to say the least. Boomer?
2: Well, i just like to say I know uh, everybody on the Internet's been uh, tracking a state of Nebraska flight from here to Orlando. And just given our past history of misdirection and uh, you know, discombobulation with everybody with their flights. I'd like to be the first to welcome Mike Leach as new head coach in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> God, <Boomer. laughs> Very funny. Boomer. Very funny. Mac, what do you got?
3: Again, just want to remind everybody, there's a championship game going down at the dome in Iowa.
1: Is this streaming on the internet? Can I watch it can. I know I think somehow, you can, Max, I, know you can
3: I know you can listen to it on the TuneIn app. Um, this is a really terrible plug. But, you know, Google's a fantastic search engine. Remsen, St. Mary's, <laughs> championship, football game, <laughs> Iowa, you know. None of that Bing crap. Quotes. Guys? Get her done, man. I think I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to pull off the victory, bring home the trophy.
1: All right. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff, guys. All right. Let's uh, call that a Go Big Red cast.
3: Keep it close with Penn State. Go Big Red, sort of best you can. GBR always. Out.